My name is John Kieschnick, Lazy Hill Fish Farms, Giddings, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas wheat planting is right on schedule. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For farmers, weeds are always a concern, but even more so when herbicides aren't working like they used to. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about herbicide resistance. Winter wheat planting is underway across Texas, while row crops are in various stages of harvest. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. September did not bring the weather change that most ag producers were looking for, but October should be better. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Winter wheat planting right on schedule here in Texas this year so far. The latest Texas crop progress and condition report showing 45% of the wheat crop now in the ground. That's a few points ahead of the 42% five-year average. Scott Renfro grows wheat in Grayson County. That's in north-central Texas along the Red River. He says everything is ready to go when the time is right. We've already got the ground plowed. Uh probably start putting out some dry fertilizer next week, get that out of the way and plow it in and get the ground ready and prep. And usually in our area, we usually start mid, late October. So I've got my seed wheat uh, put up. It's all good to go. Drills ready to go. So I think we're, we're ready. As soon as we can get in there, we're going to just get after it. Oklahoma wheat growers have planted 27% of their crop, but that is down 11 points from the five-year average pace. Registration is now underway for the award-winning Ranch Management University. The program, which is designed as a crash course for new and inexperienced ranchers, will be held October 23rd through the 27th at Texas A&M University. Speakers will discuss soil fertility, forage, weed management, livestock, and wildlife management. Space is limited and cost is $625. The deadline to register is October 13th. A link to apply is available at today.agrilife.org. That is today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. If you are looking for a winter cover crop that can be harvested in the spring, New Seed Carinata may be an option. So New Seed Carinata is a sustainable and resilient crop that offers numerous benefits for growers and their soil. 
It's a non-food oilseed crop that's harvested and processed into low-carbon fuel and a high-protein meal for feed. That's Parker Bontrager. He's the field sales manager for New Seed here in Texas. He says they have a special event coming up this week in College Station called Caranata University. So Caranata U is an educational event organized by New Seed. Uh, to provide growers with valuable insights into the new seed Caranata program. Um, it's a free event, and it'll be featured expert speakers throughout the industry um, and networking opportunities to enhance knowledge and understanding of this crop. Um, and an added bonus that we are offering is um, one and a half CEU credits to, to attendees. It's happening this Friday, October 6th, 2 p.m. at the Lewis Pierce Pavilion in College Station. It'll be followed by a tailgate party on Saturday for the Texas A&M game at Kyle Field. Weeds are always a concern for farmers, but James Hunt tells us that concern is increasing because some herbicides aren't working like they used to. Herbicide-resistant weeds are a problem for many farmers. I talked about this with Peter Dotre, a weed scientist at the Texas A&M Extension and Research Center in Lubbock. I asked him if resistance is on the rise. Well, I think we're certainly now more aware of the development of herbicide-resistant weeds, and maybe we're looking for them and, and studying and testing them maybe more than what we did just five or 10 years ago. So potentially the reason we're seeing more to some degree has to do with that. But I also feel like we're putting a lot of pressure on our weeds with fewer and fewer chemistries. That happened first when the glyphosate technology, the Roundup technology came forward, and we pretty much kind of left behind or abandoned the use of the yellow herbicides, some of the at-plant chemistries like Caparol and Cotteran, and just really relied a lot on Roundup. Dr. Dotre says Roundup can still help with weed control, but it needs to be used in a mix of other chemicals that offer different modes of action, which actually is an important principle to follow when using any herbicides. As best we can rotate modes within a season, I think the better off we're going to be. And even rotate modes within an application may be the absolute best. So a couple of modes that are in the tank that both control the weed, the, the given weed, the Palmer pigweed, for example. So if one starts to slip, the other one should control it, which really is going to allow both of those chemistries to be that more effective down the road. Peter Dotre on the effort to reduce the threat of herbicide resistance. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fall harvest and winter crop planting are moving forward across Texas. Tom Nicoletti looks at the latest numbers in the Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report, winter wheat planting is underway across Texas with some farmers reporting emergence. Winter wheat planted reached 45 percent. Wheat emerged reached 13 percent to row crops in the northern Texas High Plains, where corn harvest continues while sorghum harvest is expected to begin soon. Mature corn has reached 91 percent. Corn harvest is ongoing across the state with 78 percent harvested. Sorghum harvested for grain reached 85 percent. The cotton crop is showing signs of stress due to extreme drought conditions. In the northern High Plains, cotton harvest is expected to begin next week. 
In the southern Texas high plains, defoliants were applied to remaining cotton, while most fields in the district were reported to insurance adjusters. Cotton bowls opening reached 68% across the state. Cotton harvested reached 28%. In the fruit, vegetable, and specialty crop category, South Texas producers began planting spinach, but in the cross timbers, some producers are spraying for aphids. As we look at livestock range and pasture conditions, those conditions in parts of the state have improved with recent rains, while other areas remained poor. 73% of range and pasture conditions statewide were rated very poor to poor. Livestock producers continue to supplement their animals with hay, while producers are culling their herds. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. September did not bring the weather change that most Texas farmers and ranchers were hoping for. But Barry Mahler says October should be better. My wife and I were on vacation a week ago, and while getting ready to fly home, the pilot came on the intercom and said the temperature at DFW was 97 degrees. So I knew things had not changed for the good here in North Texas. After all, it was late September, and we began to expect more 87 than 97 degree highs, but that's not been the case in 2023. I told my friends when back home, I distinctly remember leaving someone in charge of cooler weather while I was gone, but that obviously didn't happen. You know, we're expecting a change in a couple of weeks as the days get shorter, and it definitely is cooling down at night. Meanwhile, I find a lot of farmers and ranchers here on the Rolling Plains ready to move on from this summer, but it's hard to do that without a major change in temperature and moisture. This has been well. There's been some wheat planting done, and some you know some spotty showers here and there. And they're trying to get it up for growing wheat pasture, and that's going to be very important this year. As our pastures are devastated from the drought and are going to need some time to recover, we do hope rain comes to accomplish that before the cold of winter sets in. The cotton crop is pretty ugly, with very little, if any, rain since late June, and we'll have crop adjusters looking at a lot of it over the next couple of weeks. There are bowls on a lot of it, but they're very small. They're underdeveloped and might not ever make it in the basket of the stripper. So it's going to be a challenge to come up with an accurate assessment of what's out there. And, of course, the quality of the fiber is hurt, and that affects the price greatly. I expect to see some of it harvested, but just not sure how much yet. A short crop also hurts the gins across the region as they need a certain level of production to run efficiently and stay in business, so the challenges extend much further than just the edge of the field. The cash wheat market is holding somewhere in the low to mid $6 range, and that would be an incentive for farmers to be excited to get it planted in prior years, but with inflated input costs, that's just about what's needed to break even on a normal crop these days. The hay supply is better than would be expected, considering as tough as the summer was, we got a good bit bailed before it set in in the spring, but many cattle producers have been feeding all summer due to short grass, and the supplies are being whittled down, and that is concerning, considering the long-range forecast is for a cold, wet winter. Hey, everyone knows it's been a tough summer, but I see farmers everywhere gearing up to move forward, as they always do. And a good, long, soaking rain across the rolling plains would sure get the wheels of agriculture turning in a hurry. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. 
A South Texas ranching operation and agricultural research organization is working to improve ocelot numbers in Texas while also protecting their neighbors. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And pink eye is common in the cattle industry around the world. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Pink eye is common in the cattle industry around the world. Dr. Bob Judd says it's most common in cattle with white faces. Although cattle with light-colored faces are more susceptible, animals are predisposed that are in bright sunlight, dust, in pastures with tall weeds, and herds with large numbers of flies. Anything that can irritate the area around the eye can lead to pink eye infection. The Kansas State Beef Cattle Institute indicates at Drovers.com that irritation to the eye may just cause excessive tearing, but if infection develops, A corneal ulcer usually occurs, in which the outer layer of the eyeball is damaged and a portion of the outer layer is destroyed by the infection. Although many bacterial organisms can lead to pink eye, the most common is Marxella bovis, as this organism possesses hair-like structures that enable it to attach to the eyeball, and it produces an enzyme that destroys cells on the eye's surface. The infection is commonly spread from animal to animal by direct contact or by flies, as face flies commonly spread this infection. Without treatment, most animals heal in three to six weeks, but if damage to the eye is severe, the globe can rupture and blindness will develop. Treatment of pink eyes with antibiotics and gluing a patch over the eye can help keep flies away and decrease sun exposure. Preventing the disease includes keeping the plants in your pasture short and controlling flies. If your herd has a chronic problem with pink eye, consider a pink eye vaccine, as this vaccine can be helpful in some cases. Another option is to stay away from cattle with white faces, as cattle with black faces have a much decreased chance of developing pink eye. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A South Texas ranch and agricultural research organization is working to improve ocelot numbers in Texas while also protecting their neighbors. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The East Foundation, which is a South Texas ranching operation and agricultural research organization, is working to improve ocelot numbers. Neil Wilkins, East Foundation CEO, said as part of a proposed safe harbor agreement with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the foundation plans to release some ocelots onto its ranch. Our San Antonio Viejo Ranch, which reaches down into Star County, happens to have very good ocelot habitat that is not occupied by ocelots. So we've got about 30 to 40,000 acres of ocelot habitat. The idea would be that we would use a captive breeding facility Ocelots would be bred in this facility. They would be kept in a situation where they learn behaviors of hunting and being able to make it in the wild. And then they're released through what we call a soft release onto the ranch. It's probably going to be a year 
out before we could do any of the first releases. But we wanted to make sure that this agreement was in place first so that we didn't go through all of the expense and all of the research to develop this population of ocelots that we could release and then not have the assurance that we would be protected from the Endangered Species Act constraints. The Safe Harbor Agreement, once finalized, provides protections for landowners. We've got assurance that any landowners within 50 kilometers, which is 31 miles, of the area where we reintroduce ocelots are free to carry out any otherwise lawful activity, regardless of whether ocelots have dispersed onto their property or regardless of whether they join the Safe Harbor Agreement as a participant. You can comment on the proposed agreement through October 16th on regulations.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. After trading lower Tuesday during the uncertainty surrounding the vote to oust House Speaker McCarthy, live cattle traded higher Wednesday after finding some support in cash cattle trade and in demand. October live cattle up 7 cents to 182.20. December live cattle up 37 cents to 186.02. February live cattle up 7 cents to 190.37. October feeder cattle down 82 cents to 247.77. November feeder cattle up 7 cents to 250.42. January feeder cattle down 22 cents to 254.05. Boxed beef was lower, choice down $2.11 to $297.96. Select fell 60 cents to $274.99. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock Three Rivers, sells them on Monday. Riley, how was that sale? It was good, Larry. Um, ended up with about what we thought, uh, 1,269 here today. Uh, you know, looks to the volume a little bit lighter. Everybody kind of watching the weather, hoping we're going to get some rain. And uh, it has been showering around in areas, so uh, we hope everybody gets to participate. Uh, market, uh, the calves, I thought, fully steady. Uh, had good demand on them. Uh, you know, they, had, they took off a little bit on them last week. Uh, but today they looked uh, 
about uh, about where they were last week. Uh, they did take some more money off on the cows, the packer cows and bulls. Uh, those were another four to six lower today. Cow chip pairs, uh, kind of the same story, kind of splitting out most of them, but from 900 up to 1500. Bread cows from 750 up to 1375. High yielding packer cows 94 to dollar four. Breakers 88 to 94. Your canners 46 to 74. High yielding bulls 108 to 118. The low to medium yielding bulls 92 to dollar eight. Uh, two to three weight choice steers 246 to 286. Heifer mates 232 to 276. Three to four weight choice steers 240 to 286. Heifer mates 218 to 264. Four to five weight choice steers 220 to 276. Heifer mates 206 to 246. Five to six weight choice steers 208 to 262. Heifer mates 202 to 238. Six to seven weight choice steers 218 to 238. Uh, the heifer mates 204 to 224, and the seven day weight cattle, your choice steers 202 to 230, and the heifers 192 to 218. So uh, pleased with the markets, you know, like I said, it, uh, with the down features and everything we had last week, and, uh, you know, I was pleased with the steady market on the chaos today. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for the next sale in Three Rivers Rally. 361-813-6650 is the sale. 361-786-2553 is the office. Liveoaklaus.com is the web. Neighbor, that's all for this edition of Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. That was Riley Rhodes. I'm Larry Marble. Lean hogs traded mixed on Wednesday due to spotty fundamental support and timidness from traders. October lean hogs down five cents to 79.92. December lean hogs up a dime to 69.17. October class three milk down 13 cents to 16.80 a hundredweight. November class three milk down 24 cents to 17.09 a hundredweight. December cotton down 42 points to 87.01. March cotton down 41 points to 87.86. Corn fell Wednesday on little fresh news and weak export demand. December corn down one and a half to 4.86. March corn down one and a quarter to 5.01. May 2024 corn down one to 5.09 and a half. December hard red wheat down 16 and three quarters to 6.66 and a half. March hard red wheat down 15 and a quarter to 6.75 and a quarter. November natural gas rose a penny Wednesday to 2.96. December natural gas was even at 3.31. November crude oil down $4.85 to 84.38 a barrel. December crude oil down $4.77 to 82.67 a barrel. The Dow fell 18 points Wednesday to 32,983. The S&P 500 rose 13 points to 4,243. And the Nasdaq rose 113 points to 13,173. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmol, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.